Hey Toy Family, this is the Marsham Toy Hour and we're back from the Five Points Fest in Brooklyn, New York. I'm Gary Ham. I'm Teresa Hawkins. And joining us is Corey Rudder, one of our sponsors. He's from uh, Strange Cat Toys. Welcome, Corey. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Now, Corey, you got you were at Five Points Festival too, and you went last year and this year, correct? Uh, yeah, last year I just went to be like a spectator, and then this year I actually exhibited. And that's exactly why we wanted to have you on, because you've been to both events, and you've experienced it both as an attendee and a vendor. So it'll be nice to get your perspective on it. And for those who aren't familiar, the three of us attended the Five Points Festival, which was held in Brooklyn, New York this year. Very cool two-day event presented by the fine folks at Clutter Magazine. And then actually the night before the event, everyone attended the Designer Toy Awards, which is also held just a couple blocks away from the uh, Five Points Festival. So, uh, Teresa, you almost didn't make it to that event, though. Oh, my God. I know. It was <laughs> it was a crazy Friday for me. <laughs> uh... Should I share? Would you like me to sure. share crazy? I only share if you're comfortable with reliving the moment because I know it was a very stressful day for you. Yeah, well, so already, like, I had, you know, you book flights months in advance. You feel like, okay, I'm good. I've got it all prepared. But, of course, the morning of Friday, I started getting all these text messages. Flight delayed. Flight delayed. Flight delayed. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, I get a new one, flight canceled. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> this can't be happening. And so I was freaking out. Missing the DTAs would suck, but it would even suck more to not make it on Friday at all and right. miss the start of the event. Because being a collector, I mean, I need to be there at the beginning to get the things I want. Otherwise, I'm just not going to get any of the stuff. So, yeah. Right? So when they canceled me, they were going to give me, I was like looking at my app and I thought I was going to have the option to pick a new flight, but then all of a sudden it just auto assigned me one and it was a terrible choice. And so I'm talking to my dad and he's like, if you're ready, just go. So this is like 11 AM Friday. He's like, just go to the airport and talk to a human. Anyway, I ended up, what I had to do was basically get put on standby because all of these people's flights were being canceled. I think it was a combination of weather issues because there were a bunch of storms rolling through and right. then air traffic control. Luckily, I got on standby to Atlanta and that went through. And then I did the same thing in Atlanta and got on standby from Atlanta to New York. <laughs> it just sucked because in Atlanta, once I boarded the plane, a thunderstorm rolled through and I got stuck on the runway for two hours sitting on the plane. Scared to death that they were going to end up rolling us back and take kicking us off the plane saying, oh, we can't fly anymore. Just yeah, dangerous. you texted me because I was in New York City by then. You texted me, Gary, I'm stuck in the tarmac and the pilot just came on and said there's 37 planes in front of us. Yeah. I thought that would take you like three hours to get out of there. Yeah, so first it was like a crazy line, and then he comes back on. He's, we have a thunderstorm rolling through that you can probably see from your window, and they have stopped all arrivals and departures. Like, no. (laughs) So, I mean, it was just like one of those days where you're just on high stress the whole time. But it worked out. They didn't throw us off our plane. We eventually took off. And I'm trying to remember. I think I got into New York around 8 or so. But by the time I landed and got in and got to my hotel, the DTAs were supposed to start at 7. I thought, by golly, I'm probably even going to miss it. And I was supposed to present with you. So You left me hanging. Thanks a lot, gal. I'm sorry. I didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> That's all right. I, I... It was a day. 
It was a day. I'm glad you finally made it. I think you don't, you didn't really miss that much. You only missed maybe the first hour. You missed the presenting. I'm sure you're real bummed about that. But you made it, and after that, we had a great event. Yes, my trip started a little crazy, and I, I was sad I didn't get to present. I thought it was pretty cool that I got asked to go do that with you, but... Yeah, I mean, it's not that you missed the uh, the presenting, but I think the part that I'm most bummed about is when you weren't there for when they did the best media category, and that was the category we were up for. And when the presenter read off Marsham Toy Hour, the room just erupted in loud cheer. That was awesome to, to hear and experience, and I really wish you were there to hear that. Um, we got love. Well, thanks, everyone, for the love. We got some love. And Corey, so, look, I know a lot of people fly into New York the day of the DTAs, and so it's a lot of traveling for everyone. And, yeah, any sort of delay can really set people back from arriving in time. And I know, Corey, you're coming from Florida. Did you have any sort of flight complications to get, and getting into the event? Yeah, and it was a direct flight, so no connections or delays or layovers okay. or anything. Nice. Oh, must have been nice, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> I shacked up with uh, Quicks for the weekend, so oh, nice. we shared a hotel, and uh, Travis from Urban Vinyl Daily, and then Josh uh, Divine that works at Kid Robot. All of you staying in one place? Yeah. Nice. Wow. You guys are probably staying closer than we did. We found a great hotel, but it was it was about, what, 30-minute walk away? Uh, 20 plus. So we stayed at Pod Brooklyn, and I actually really liked the hotel I location. I love the hotel. It was just, yeah. yeah. It was just, it was a bit further than... I remember looking and us talking about it. I was like, oh, it's about a mile. It's not too bad. It ended up being, I think, a little bit further than we would have preferred mm-hmm. from all the, the different venues. Yeah. Next year, we'll get a little closer. Yeah. So should we just jump in and start covering the Designer Toy Awards? Yeah. How about we do this? We'll go through and we'll mention uh, all the winners first, and we'll compare it to our prediction pool. So first, I will say that the Marsham Toy Hour prediction pool did great this year. We had 42 entries. Of those entries... The average correct was 4.5. As I think as an average, we didn't do too great because there's 17 categories. Only averaging less than five is not that great. But we did have one single winner with 11 out of 17 correct. And she kicked butt. And her name is Jordan Perme. <gasps> Jordan! Now, is it Jordan Perme, Jordan Perm, Jordan Jordan Perme? I feel terrible, but I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, Jordan. You know, <laughs> I don't know. We're talking about Jordan of Horrible Adorables, Correct. by the yep. way, for those that don't know her last name either. And that's terrible of us, and we stink as friends. So tell us it, and then we won't fail anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so I already alerted Jordan of Horrible Adorables that she won. I'm going to be sending her prize package, which those not familiar, the prize was I'm sending her a Marsham Toy Hour and a Five Points Festival pennant along with the two... Five Points Festival Dunny's I Design and the three Designer Toy Award Dunny Series I Design. So, um, yeah, it's, it's all my stuff. <laughs> that's all I have. That's, that's all I can do. So, But, no, she was happy, and she was saying, like, it's really hard to predict. It's, it's like the Oscars. It's, you, you're trying to predict not necessarily people that you think should win, but you're trying to guess how the fans are going to vote and how the, the panels right. are going to vote, and that's not easy. But her getting 11 of 17, nah, that's really good. Yeah. No. Now, Gary, how did all of us do? <laughs> so, uh, let's, let's, we'll, we'll work our way down. So, uh, Jordan got 11. Teresa, you did excellent, too. You got nine. Really good. Whoop. You did a little better than me. I got eight. 
And okay. And, and Corey. Corey knocked it out of the park with a whopping zero, correct? <laughs> <laughs> you got a real pulse on this designer toy scene, Corey. Good job. I know. Maybe yeah. I should find a new profession. <laughs> now, I will I will say, Corey, you were not the only one who had a goose egg. There, you, there, you did have company. There was one other Perfect. person who got a goose egg up there. Corey. Well, the positive <laughs> is you can go, only go up next year. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe unless it stays the same. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta at least get one next year. You could do it. <laughs> just you could do it. We have faith in you, Corey. So I think what we're gonna do now is we're just gonna rattle through the list of Designer Toy Award winners and we'll compare them to who the prediction pool thought was gonna win. And keep in mind the prediction pool, they're not picking who they think should win. They would probably vote very differently. They're just trying to predict how the the fans voted and the panel voted. Two very different things, so no one take offense to it. It's just, just all funs and games. So here we go. Here's the first category. Toy of the Year fan category. The winner was Kid Katana Skull Edition by Two Petal Rose. So congratulations on Two Petal Rose on your win. Uh, Kid Katana was predicted had five votes in the prediction pool, but the predicted winner was Andrew Bell's Kill Cat with ten votes. Teresa, why don't you mention who won uh, Toy of the Year panel? Okay, so Toy of the Year panel. The winner was Mr. Dob by Takashi Murakami. Well, the prediction pool thought the clairvoyant Dunny was going to win. It received eight votes. Uh, Mr. Dob only received one vote in the prediction pool. So that one kind of surprised everyone, I think. And that's the one that it's the big ball head (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's not your thing but yeah so that one actually had a bit of controversy behind it because a lot of people were saying that initially when it was released it had really bad quality control Ah. Um, but here's the thing about the designer toy wars that people probably don't factor in like most people like this is Mr. Dobb was a very highly sought after toy it sold out it was a spendy toy so most people never got to see it in hand and when people are voting for the designer toy wars they're just basically going off of photos uh, and it's basically the photo that whoever uploaded the photo for nomination. So that's what people are, you know, basing it off of. I think a lot of people don't know the story that, in from what I know, is it sounded like um, Takashi Murakami, the Mr. Dob toy, initially had atrocious quality control, so much so that they ended up remaking all the toys and the collectors had to wait several more months to get them in hand. But I think the second run actually turned out really, really nice. So a lot of people were also disappointed that Takashi Murakami probably can care less about receiving the award. Yeah, I mean... But at the same time, I feel like whether he wants it or not, he is deserving of the award because he had the best toy, in people's opinions. Right. I I think the bigger issue at hand is the quality piece, because I do agree as a collector that should be taken into account if possible, that, you know, if it may be a really good design on paper or in photos, but then in hand, if there are a lot of issues, you know, it's going to taint the experience for you collecting it. So I wasn't aware because this isn't the piece that I particularly went after, but it's a shame that a lot of people are aware of those issues and kind of look at that and think, yeah, it was cool, but I remember all the crazy, difficult things that happened with the release. So, what do you think, Corey? I mean, did you do you think that quality of a piece in hand and those kind of things should be taken into account when thinking through who should get an award? Yeah, but if if they did the right thing and remade it, then I think it's it's fine. You know, if they just left it as is and there was a bunch of like crap pieces out there, then then yeah, I can understand the argument. But if they did the right thing and remade it, I think it's fine. I agree with that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I think this is again why it's nice. I think that you know we talked a bit about the panel who votes last time, Gary, when we had clutter on and how they've been trying to expand the, you know, the people who are on it. And I know there's collectors who are in it as well. And I think that's where, you know, the, the collectors can help maybe voice some of that, you know, when they're discussing and voting, they can maybe bring that up mm-hmm. if they recall it being a big issue in the scene. So. Yeah. Maybe it was something could, that the, the committee discussed maybe. I mean, I could see with that issue being a problem with like brand of the year or something, like if they made crap toys, but the toy, it, you know, it shouldn't affect that. Yeah, totally. And I think one of the craziest things is Mr. Dobb only received one vote from the out of 42 in the prediction pool. I mean, that's crazy. That's That just shows you how hard it is to predict these things. It's really hard to get a read on what's going to win and who's going how people are going to vote. Um, so let's get moving on to the next category. The next category is Artist of the Year Fan, and the winner was Quicks. And Quicks also won the prediction pool with 10 votes. So congratulations to you, Quicks. Yay! I actually had the pleasure. Yes, super congrats. I had the pleasure of meeting Quicks at Five Points, and he was the sweetest person. So, Quicks, your sweetheart. <laughs> he, <laughs> he was. He was so so nice. Yeah, I had the pleasure of talking to him too, and yeah, he's super nice, and and he has the Midas touch as well. I mean, everything he produces seems to be very popular and tends to sell out, and uh, he's very well beloved. So, congrats, yeah. Quicks. No, he's kicking butt. I'm very happy for him. Okay, next category, Teresa. All right, so the next category is Artist of the Year panel, and the winner of this one was Chino Lamb. For the prediction pool, Chino Lamb actually only got one vote. The winner from the prediction pool was Quicks again. They thought that the panel would also pick Quicks for Artist of the Year. So Chino Lamb seemed to also be a surprise to a lot of people. but Except for Jordan. Jordan predicted it. Jesus. That's how she got 11 out of 17. Good job. Those were maybe the two. Yeah. That stumped me. But yeah, you mean, we both, I know we both collect, we have Red U, the cute little fish with the inner tube, but I know there's all of those. I'm totally going to fail at remembering the name, the sushi guys with the knives. The zoo series. I mean, he's doing great stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of great stuff coming out of that brain of his. So I'm excited for him. And I'm also excited to see what he's going to keep making. So okay. congrats to Tina Lynn. All right, let's get to the custom of the year categories. Custom of the year fan. The winner was death rides to war by John Paul Kaiser. And that one was also predicted to win at 26.2% of the prediction pool. Congrats, John Paul Kaiser. Yay. JPK got love. I thought that custom piece was nasty. It was good. It's awesome. All right, who took down panel, Teresa? Oh, so this one, hmm, this was controversial. Um, well, <laughs> not so much the win, but uh, so custom of the year panel was actually won by Jason Freeney for his custom inappropriation. And you all may remember, this is actually when he took the cause piece and did his dissected custom on top of it. There was a whole social media kind of blowout cause calling him out on it. I think this is great. He took it. He won it. I don't think there was anything wrong with what he was doing, and I think the panel helped support him. Yep. Um, so congrats, Jason Freeney. For the prediction pool, uh, it was semi-close. Ten people voted for Jason Freeney, but JPK, Death Rise Dwar, took it by one vote. So 11 votes went to his piece. All right, next one is Best Media Outlet Fan Voted. 
And the winner was the Toy Chronicle. Back-to-back years. So congratulations to the Toy Chronicle. You guys did awesome. I hate you. <laughs> We're going to kick your ass I next was, year. I was, <laughs> was going to say, you should have said, you should have said, best media outlet fan was Marshall Toy Hour. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> we know that. We know that's not true. <laughs> Um, no, they, they deserve it. They really are the best media outlet out there. I mean, when they put up that app, that easy access app, that was a huge game changer, I think. And they're still the only ones out there that provide an app as far as a toy blog goes. So, um, and again, like they provide international coverage, daily coverage. And, and keep in mind, we only do this once a week. Um, most people, you know, are not into listening to podcasts I and mean, especially ours We're we're over an hour, sometimes an hour and a half long. And for most people, that's probably too long. So I appreciate those that do take the time to listen to us and enjoy what we're doing. But, um, I believe that toy Chronicle, you know, probably should have won this category and, and congrats to them. And I still hate you guys. Yes. Congrats. <laughs> no, and it's hard. I mean, Gary, we've talked about it. A podcast is different and we're not going to. We're not a blog. We're not trying to be a blog. I mean, we I guess we could start one, but, you yeah. know, it, it's just a different – we have different approaches, different purposes. But from a media outlet standpoint of getting news out there, they, they're they doing it. So, huge congrats. Does there, does there need to be any more blogs? Like, I feel like there's that's what I'm saying. enough, right? Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. And I think what a lot of people don't think about with the podcast, we're English-speaking. We, we we have really good downloads in the States and Canada and UK, but we, when we get to Asia and all the other, you know, non-English speaking countries, we see a major drop off. And, um, right. you know, in the blogs, you're going to get all that because as a, you know, a non-English speaker, you can just go to a blog and still either use Google to translate the information or just see, you know, images of releases. And that's something that we cannot do. So I think that's one struggle we would ever have at trying to, be it a Spanky Stokes or a Toy Chronicle or any of the other toy blogs out there. We're just, we don't have the reach that they do. Well, and, and on the reverse, we don't speak other languages. So I know there's plenty of artists out there that I would love to have on, but there's just that, you know, that language barrier. And so I know, you know, we've had uh, Don Dadadub come on and help us a few times, but there's a lot of great artists that I would love to chat with. We just, we just can't. So, yeah, but we do what we can. We're still pretty cool, Gary. We're still pretty cool. We're good. We're good. We get, we like I said, we received a great cheer, so that'll sustain me for maybe two episodes, and then I'll be back in the dumpster. Okay, <laughs> oh, so, <laughs> so Teresa, let's get to uh, who won best toy stores. You want to do best uh, toy store fan? I will, but I know you I'm... got some spite for this one. I got a little bit of yeah. Mm, well. This, there's just there's just more. I keep getting the controversial ones, Gary. But um, <laughs> so best toy store fan. The winner was Toy Tokyo. Only three people voted for them in the prediction pool. The uh, prediction pool voted for Rotofuji to win with 20 votes. If you all recall, if you have been listening, we talked about Toy Tokyo last time when we were talking about DTAs, and <sighs> I just have a bone to pick just because. They, I feel like they bought this award. Like, I don't feel like they actually earned it just simply by people wanting to vote for them because they liked them. I feel like they bought their votes because they did that Instagram contest where they were giving away a gift card to their store if you voted for them. And it's just, it feels so dirty. And I just don't like it. I just don't like it one bit. 
I tend to agree. What do you think, Corey? How do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that they needed to do it. They've been around long enough, and they do pretty good releases and stuff that they, they could have just won it without tarnishing it. It's like, you know, they did steroids or something this year. Yeah, well, right? I mean, yeah, if, like, if you okay. are truly the best store, you don't need to get extra right. votes. It's, I think it's totally disre- disrespecting all the other stores in the category. I, I don't I don't like that they were offering a $50 gift card to people that voted. I don't like that at all. I mean, Corey, I mean, you on Strange Cat, would you feel good about winning doing something like that? Like, I just don't even know how they could feel good knowing that they semi-cheated to get it. Yeah, no, like I said, you're tarnished. You don't know if you really would have won or not. Right. Does does this taint the fan voting awards for you guys in regards to like I does it hurt the integrity and the clout that the awards are supposedly supposed to have? You because it, it does for me. You know, I've expressed it before. I've never truly liked fan voting. I I've never liked the pandering. I never liked yeah. the popularity contest. Big guy versus little guy. Um, and then and in this case, where someone could potentially buy votes, I just. I, there's nothing about fan voting I like. And I think there's a way to do it. And maybe at the end of this, we can put forth some uh, suggestions as, as to how we think maybe yeah. it can be solved for. Yeah, we can, we can hold back. Cause I think there's a lot of potential ways to maybe modify the way that they do stuff because I agree. I mean, it just kind of ruins it. Like I like the idea of fan voting, but to win it in this way, it just really like, I wanted to just like, I feel like I just want to shame them. Like, shame, shame. Shame. What? Shame. <laughs> like, shame on you. Like, now, every time I see it, I'm just going to, I'm not going to be like, oh, yay, congrats. I'm going to be like, ugh, you're dirty. <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm not all that familiar with Tokyo. I, I feel like I don't know that they carry all that many designer toys. I, I'm really not sure if they're a, a large right. retailer of that of that sort of stuff. Uh yeah, in the hierarchy of designer toys, I feel like they're not in the top five, at least yeah. for my stores. Yeah, that—that's uh, the other thing too. Is I know they carry a lot of Funko. Nothing wrong with that, but I think a lot of potential Funko fans who know nothing about the DTAs may have participated in that vote. So mm. I don't know. It's hard to say. They do have a strong following on Instagram, and like you said, you know, a lot a strong you know Funko collector base. So maybe it is what it is. Yeah. All right. So let's move on. So the next category is best online toy store voted by the fans. And the winner was my plastic heart and my plastic heart was predicted to had 12 votes in the prediction pool, but Rota Fuji was predicted to win with 17 votes, but congratulations, my plastic heart. Yay. Congrats. I figured it'd be, uh, it'd be uh Rota Fuji or my plastic heart. Those guys have been around forever. Mm-hmm. They do a great job. Yep. I mean, I, I started when I started buying toys. I bought from my plastic cart, so I get it. Now yeah. you were nominated in that well, category as well, weren't you, Corey? Yeah. How many How many prediction votes did we get? Uh, oh, uh, let me look it up. You is it see. just mine? Well, the one. Look. So best toy store. <laughs> one vote. Two point four percent. Was it you, Corey? Uh, did I you... think it was me. Voted <laughs> <laughs> for myself. You, you could have had one predicted like, correct if you went with MPH. You're yeah. only in the online. You're not in the toy store category, right? Right. Okay. So. That's but a, that's a tough know. one. I think prediction pool, yeah. Corey, I mean, don't take any offense to that, but everyone knows that, you know, when you look at the, the last 
seven years of the Designer Toy Awards, it's been either My Plastic Heart or Road to Fuji winning it. So prediction-wise, it would be really tough to pick someone else. Even oh, though yeah, no, I, 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 pre- I predicted I predicted those two also, like in my head, you know, not, yeah. not an actual vote. <laughs> just, just can't click it. Can't click it. You're like, no, I got to put nope. me. <laughs> I know you're working really hard to get different types of toys in stock. So, I mean, I bought pool babies from you. And obviously, we can talk more about it. We talk five points. I kind of went crazy. Yeah, yeah keep it coming. You're doing you're, a great job at bringing in the imports, Corey. Really good. Thanks. Yeah, that's that's been our big focus this past year. Yeah, you're doing a great job. And then also, you're probably the only store that I know that is doing this, but recently you started doing a payment plan option for your customers. So, you know, they put down the initial 50% down on the purchase, and then they can decide to pay off the remainder over the next couple of weeks or several months. Yeah, you just do a 50% deposit, and then you set up payments every three months if you want to do it once a week or every three weeks, every four weeks, whatever you want to do. Um, I've been wanting to do it for a long time, but I finally found a system that is like automated. So I don't, I don't have to send people invoices. It just takes out of their account automatically. Oh, nice. I don't have to worry about it. It's It's been really good. People have been taking advantage of that? Yeah, I have. I had to get a couple more shelves just to put like pending orders on. So it's been really good. Oh, cool. Oh, good. All right. So the next category is... Wait, it's me. It's my oh, turn. Well, have at it. <laughs> uh, so the next category is best non-plastic panel voted. And the winner for me was actually a surprise. It was Tree Fork Grow Up by Ian Zabrowski, which is Nug Life, right? Yep. From the prediction pool, it only got one vote. So was that Jordan as well? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't okay. think so. I don't think so. But the uh, winner from the prediction pool was actually your Wooper Looper Wood Push car with nine votes. So <laughs> that's that's nice. But I think what that is, I think that's a lot of people realizing that I'm probably the one seeing the prediction votes, and they're like, I should probably vote Gary for this one. <laughs> <laughs> but no, congratulations to Ian on the win. It's a great piece. So congrats. And this is also the category. I know a couple episodes ago, I was telling you, I was kind of bummed that my Yeti shelf was not nominated or didn't make it as a finalist. And this would have been the category it was in, non-plastic, because it was made out of wood. And um, after that episode, I heard from several people, actually two people emailed me saying that, hey, I did nominate that Yeti shelf. So I guess it was just the committee just maybe just voted and said this, they didn't see it being a finalist. Bummer. But here's what I'm going to do. So over the next year, I'm going to make like, 40 new wood toys. <laughs> and I'm, Take over the whole category? Right, exactly. Can I, give them the best chance possible. Can I hold you to that? No. No, that's a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have a lot of the designs that I've been wanting to make in wood. I, you know, I haven't been in the garage for like a year and a half, but I have a lot of stuff that I'm wanting to work on. So hopefully this will be the year that I can get back in the garage and start producing wood toys again. Woo. All right, so the you, next category. No, wait, real quick. Real quick, though, do you all know what this is made out of, this tree fort? Is it just clay? Not sure. I just yeah, always I, wonder. I, I know I, the head is uh, one of those big Matt Ls. Oh, really? models. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Can you, you can see it now, like the ear. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I was curious, because it, it, of all the ones in that category, it didn't scream non-plastic to me. Mm-hmm. You know, lush and wood and porcelain and all that obviously aren't plastic and so i was just curious what what it was made out of so but anyway okay. let's go on best, best the best resin category this was voted by the panel and the winner was beyond the black sea by greg crayola simpkins 
And, again, the prediction pool thought this would win, so they gave it nine votes. So congrats to Greg Crayola Simpkins on his win. Teresa? Yes. So <laughs> I did. I was trying to think of something to say, and you'll have to edit. We, we don't have to talk about every single one. Yeah. I was going to try, but then I failed. So, <laughs> uh, The next category was the best soft final, also panel voted, and the winner was Yushu Long by Kenneth Tang, who's Black Seed. Uh, and the prediction pool also predicted him to win with 16 votes. So nice. congratulations. Congrats. This piece was actually on display at, well, not this particular one in the picture, but one of his Yushu Longs on display at the My Plastic Heart booth. And holy crap, is that thing tall. It is <laughs> massive. Well, that, <laughs> that was like a specially made one, right? That was like 10 stories tall. But the real one, the one that won the award was t- maybe two uh, or, maybe two or three stories. There's a couple stories. I mean, yeah. but still, they're they're big pieces. Very cool. I actually recently picked up, he made some hand little finger puppets recently. Yeah, those are Little cool. mini versions. Those are super fun. So Yeah, so we're, we're at the 30-minute mark, so let's just hurry up and go through the remainder of the list. So the winner of Best Vinyl and Plastic panel voted was Kill Cat by Andrew Bell. The predicted winner was, well, this was a really close one. This entire category was tight. So Kill Cat received six votes, and the winner of the prediction pool was actually Enjoy Your Stay by Course with seven votes. So that one was really close, but congratulations to Andrew Bell on your win. Yes, congrats. So the next was Breakthrough Artist, panel voted, and the winner was Sad Salesman. Yay! We love Sad Salesman. So congrats, Eric, and the prediction pool also predicted you for the wins. Very happy for you. I can't wait to see your dunny. Yeah. Awesome. He's telling me some ideas he has. I think they're, it's going to be turn out great if he can do what he wants to do. I'm excited. Um, so Brand of the Year panel went to Unbox Industries, and this was another close one. So Unbox in our prediction pool received 11 votes, and Instinct Toys received 13 votes. Very close. I'm super excited. That was one of the categories that I personally would have loved to vote on as a fan. Um, I love Inbo- Unbox and what Dan is doing. I love Instinct Toys as well, but I'm very happy for them. They deserve it. So congrats. All right, the next one was Best Miniseries, voted by panel, and the winner was Arcane Divination, the three-inch dice series. The prediction pool heavily weighed in this direction as well. It It had almost 60% of the votes. I know I was one of them who expected that to win, and it did, and it's very well-deserving. Super excited for them, so congrats. Yep, congrats to all involved in that series. So the winner of Best Production Sculpt Panel this went to Seriously Silly Cave for sculpting Scott Tallson's design of Freckle. Yay! Good job, Silly. We love you, Silly. Congratulations. So in the prediction pool, it was Freckle received three votes, and the predicted, predicted winner was to be Dead Bod Deadbeat, sculpted by George Gaspar. Yes. Sorry, George. You're still loved. <laughs> Hopefully he's on next week. He'll be back. He was know, attending us. He'll be back next week. We got uh, Ben of 3D Retro coming on next week, and he's good friends with Ben, so I'm sure he won't miss this one. Yeah. All right, next up. All right. Next one was Best Licensed, voted by panel, and the winner was Wonder Woman by Tara McPherson. Um, and then it also was what was predicted 
by the prediction pool as the winner. So congratulations. Oh, is it Tara? Did I say Tara? It's Tara. I've been hearing Tara. Sorry. Tara McPherson. I apologize. You know, one thing that I love about, I was, I saw Tara a lot at the, at the Five Points Fest and, you know, she's like the super famous painter and artist and everything. And yet she's, she's a mother of two kids, I believe. And you just see her, you know, running around chasing her kid in the courtyard and then, you know, pushing the stroller. She's just a normal person like everybody else. But it's strange to see this person who's highly popular and so beloved, but also kind of just doing like normal life things. You know, I saw her. We were out eating by the food trucks. She was running around with her little boy, and it was mm-hmm. so cute. It was adorable. So, everyone's just people. People. And yeah, the last... she did a... Sorry. Oh, go ahead. She did a signing at our booth for five points, and she... I was, like, a little bit starstruck, you know, because it's <laughs> my first time ever meeting her. And... But she was super nice and super down-to-earth and, like you said, just like a regular person. So yeah. it, was, it was awesome to meet her. Yeah. You know, Teresa, that was actually the category that you and I were supposed to present together at the DTAs was for best license. Oh, it was I was supposed to present Tara's award yep. with you? Yep. Bummer. But for some reason, Next she year. she didn't come up on stage and receive the award. I don't know what happened there, but um, a little oh. a little story when I went up there. So there's there's no real prep for the presenters. You just kind of just you show up. There's no like script or anything and well, there's nothing given to you ahead of time. The script is actually on the podium when you get there. So I go through the back, and I'm handed the award. And I think when I went to the podium, I believe I was actually holding the award to where the audience could actually read who the winner was. And then I'm, there's like three or four different sheets on the podium, and I'm not sure where to look and where I'm supposed to read. So like, you're standing up there in front of all these watching eyes, kind of figuring all this stuff out as you go. But Huh. Well, it's funny because I remember when – you know, we found out they were asking if we wanted to present. I was like, sure. But like, how does this work? Like, are we told what to say? And you're like, oh yeah, they have a script. But I had no (laughs) idea that it would just be like, uh, you know, like you just go up and do it. Like there's no prep or. Right. uh, And I think that's something that they probably fully intend to do is give people a heads up and the scripts ahead of time. But they're running so many things from the five points fest to designer toy awards. And I think they're just, juggling too many things at once so maybe this is one area that just tends to slip but yeah as a presenter you know i would suggest that in the future it would be nice to have a script as to what i'm supposed to read on stage you know a day or two ahead of time so at least i can read through it three or four times and feel more comfortable when i'm stage it's not easy reading something you've never seen before uh when you're nervous and on stage of of watching eyes i think it would run a lot more smoothly if we had this stuff ahead of time right a little prep and i just want to say i know James Groman, you've you had issues with Toy of the Year, and please don't feel bad because that was totally not your fault. He like the uh, the, the comedian there like dropped all the cue cards, and then the slides like were on the wrong slide. It was like a cluster, and I felt so <laughs> so so bad. And and again, terrible. this is why like prep prep is important because he was like poor guy stuck up there with like all this bad stuff going on, and it's like it's not his fault at all. So I think right. for sure it's a good suggestion. <laughs> I, I felt terrible because I didn't know how bad he, you know, that really kind of affected him. The next day he told me he sort of lost some sleep about it and, and sort of stuff. So when he got off the stage, I know I flubbed and I've seen some others. So I was kind of rousing him, you know, playfully rousing with him a little bit. And I, yeah. I feel bad that I did that yeah. now because it, it did seem to affect him a little bit. And But, you know, these things, people, you know, a lot, most people aren't paying attention. And then, then people forget, you know, a day or two later, unless, you know, we keep talking about it like we are now. Yeah, so we maybe we shouldn't. So nothing not. happened. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. He did great. 
Good shot, James. All right, and that's uh, so that's it. That's all the winners of the DTAs no. and the prediction pools. So what? What you forgot? We didn't do best non-licensed. Oh, throw it right. in there. All right, here we go. Best non-licensed panel was the Greatest Showdown by Scott C. The Showdowns was predicted to win with actually it was not predicted to win. It received fourteen votes, but the predicted winner was Deconstructed Mouse with seventeen votes. Is this one? George helped with or just talked about that he really liked the card, the card art. George did sculpt the greatest showdown. So in a way okay. he had a hand That's in it. Thought. Yeah. Cool. Congrats, well, George. And Scott yeah. C. So now let's get to the designer toy awards. Let's talk about the event, what you guys thought, um, and any suggestions going forward. Because I think, I know that Clutter and the designer toy awards committee, they're, they're always looking for suggestions, how to make things better and improve upon it. So if you guys have any suggestions, let's just go ahead and talk about it. Well, so obviously I missed a piece of it, but I was able to get there and kind of see the venue and feel it out. And I know last year we talked about how it's standing room only and it's loud and dark and hard to talk. And it wasn't, I don't think, as bad this year, but it was still a very similar vibe. You know, it's basically just a a room with a bar in the back and the stage up front. And there's just really standing room only. There's, There's a few seats sprinkled throughout, but... You know, one thought I had, because I feel like so many people, they're all getting into town. It's the first time they're seeing each other. Everyone kind of wants to mingle and hang out and chat. But a lot of times, it, I think the, the presenters feel like it's a bit rude because they're being talked over. And they're telling the crowd, you know, quiet Shut down. Shut the fuck up. Like, yeah, oh, yeah I heard that several right? times. Getting yelled at. And so, right? And so, I almost wonder if... Like, it seems like they kind of mingle a bit. Everyone kind of drinks and mingles before they start. I almost wonder if they need to flip it. Get the awards going, roll through them, and then that way the remainder of the night is just hanging out and mingling and chatting and talking and drinking all that. Because then, because it seems like it's two events happening at once, and I just feel really bad because the poor DTA presenters are, like, looking out into a crowd of just people, like, hanging out and chatting. Yeah. I mean, Corey, Corey, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it was better than last year. Like, last year was so dark, I couldn't see anybody. But it was also a raised stage, so I could see what was going on on stage, and I could actually see more of the actual DTAs. Where this, everything was on the floor. So I've, I'm not very tall, um, so I couldn't really see much of what was going on. I, I think, I don't know what the situation is in Brooklyn or New York, but if they could rent, like, a theater space or just have seating, mm-hmm. do the DTAs, and then just do whatever afterwards, like hanging out and mingle and drinking and stuff. Right. No, I, I agree. I, I hear what you're both saying. And Corey, I'm five foot eleven, and don't feel bad. I mean, I had a tough time seeing the screen and all the presenters this year. And um, you guys both mentioned a lot of the audience isn't paying attention. I'd probably say maybe only half are actually paying attention, and the rest are mingling, walking around. And and so Corey, I think you're right. Maybe not. You know, a theater or someplace with some sort of seating would probably help cut down on the mingling. If people could just sit for an hour and a half, and then afterwards we can drink and party and hang out all together. Um, but yeah, maybe that's not the environment they're looking for, though. Maybe you know that's too staunchy of an environment for what they're trying right. to do. They're trying to keep it casual and keep the, the drinks flowing. But I don't know. Right. I mean, I think I know they're trying to keep it more casual, like chill and relaxed and all that. If they, you know, if they really want the awards to get attention, and they should, because Clutter spends a ton of time organizing and getting them all set up. So I, I agree. Something, and then some way, you know, to keep it to keep it nice and short, like a specific time limit, because like. 
seems like they have a lot of intermissions. They had those beatboxer guys back again, which... Oh, yeah. That was probably oh. my biggest gripe was the beatboxing. I felt like it went on for 45 minutes. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, didn't they have technical difficulties? I, I think recall someone saying that they started the performance, but then one mic wasn't working, and so they got a little into performance, and then they got the mic working, and then they actually started back from the beginning. But they were the same guys that did it last year. I'm pretty yeah. sure it was literally the exact same routine. <laughs> I know I, I heard Optimus Prime last year. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then they had to follow up the lifetime achievement for Kirby and Whitney. Yeah. Right. Which was well, really weird. Yeah. Well, and that's, a, you know, I, and I know we actually didn't talk about it yet, Gary. I know we are going to mention that, but, you know, I thought that was a fantastic just moment and time to really um, hear from them and give, you know, present that lifetime achievement award. But I don't know. It was kind of like they went, they did that. And then they expected everyone to just bounce back in to like, you know, the event, but it was a very touching moment. And so, yeah, it, it was hard. And I don't know too, when we want to talk about Whitney Gary, if we want to talk about that and interject it somewhere else or what, but. Yeah. I, okay. So I should probably clear this up for the listeners. So anyone who's not familiar, um, about halfway through the Design of Toy Awards, there was um, a brief moment where they awarded the award for honoring or paying tribute to a Lifetime Achievement Award, which was given to Kirby and Whitney Kerr of Road to Fuji. That's a store that's been running out of Chicago for the past 14 years. Very integral uh, integral role in the designer toy scene. So very important store, very important and beloved people. And so they did a video presentation accepting that award and um, what a lot of people in the room may maybe not have been aware of is Whitney Kerr has been battling cancer for um, a while now and it was all through her body and unfortunately, it, you know, her situation was terminal. So to, to see her on the video, it was a very touching and very emotional moment for many in the room and um, yeah, it, 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 was, it was a really great tribute in a celebration of her life and uh, what a lot of us didn't know is um, we thought maybe she had a several weeks or a few months left but unfortunately Whitney did end up passing uh, due to cancer um, last Tuesday and she was only 44 a beautiful and wonderful person and um, Whitney was the you know one of the backbones of our designer toy community you know and her presence will definitely be missed and, and, and felt Totally agree. I'm all sad now. I need- <laughs> And that's that's exactly what happened. I don't know how you recovered right. from something like that. It's tough because it was such a beautiful and sentimental moment and it really packed an emotional punch. And then just to kind of just recover from that and roll right back into the awards again. And, and not only was it just Whitney, but you know, there was another fellow who passed away recently in the designer toy community. His name was Matt Siegelbaum. And uh, again, he passed away to cancer too. And so they uh, paid tribute and had some, you know, people that knew him come up and honor him. And um, so, yeah, there was some somber moments that were, it was tough to, maybe move on from for a lot of us and uh but yeah so but we did and um i guess one suggestion that i would have you know keep the the video presentations for like the um the hall of famers that can't make it but maybe for the you know the main categories 
Um, I noticed that the, uh, the video presentations either tend to go wrong, long or maybe sometimes technical difficulties tend to happen. So my suggestion would be maybe get rid of the video presentations and right. just find someone who's going to be at the event and just have them accept it on your behalf. I think that would help speed things up a little bit because, you know, this event ran almost three hours long and people drinking and standing only. People start getting antsy and I, I saw several people leaving early. And I don't want to see that happen. I want the awards to be celebrated and be amazed and everyone be paying attention. And, you know, like you said, Clutter does a lot of working for this. So I, I really want it to, you know, be as wonderful as an event and evening as it possibly can. Yeah. Not- and then kind of going back and talking about the, um, you know, the video presentations. I think a lot of people who haven't been nominated probably don't understand like how it works is if you can't attend the event, Everyone is asked to create a presentation video and then send it into Clutter. And if you win, it'll go up. But it's a lot of videos to be made for people that may not win. And it's probably a lot of handling on Clutter's part, too. So I think just getting rid of video presentations would make it easier on not only the nominees, but also Clutter. I agree, too. And I know it's hard, too, as like you've. You may have had to do it, Gary, where you're asked to record a video and you don't even know if you've won. So you may not even have a very genuine recording, you know, because you're you're like, thanks for picking me, even though you have no idea if you're going to be picked. So I I agree with that, too. I think it would save clutter time and collecting it. It saved the nominees from having to make it um, and it would speed up the the award ceremony too. So, yeah. And some people receive multiple, you know, nominations in several categories. So do they have to make a different video or five, six videos for, for everything? And, or do they make one kind of generic universal acceptance video that might be played four or five times throughout the evening? So it's weird. Um, another suggestion I would have is get rid of the fan voting. I mean, not, not the, you know, still allow fans to vote, but just get rid of the double awards and just, somehow figure out a way for van fans to vote on every category like well, maybe a percentage of of the voting public yeah like they get a f- five or ten percent of the vote for panel voting or something like that I, I just we don't need two repeat categories we don't need two toy of the years we don't need two artists of the years and that sort of stuff and that might help reduce you know the length of the time too if there's only 14 categories i agree like finding a way for Fans to be able to vote, the panel to vote, and somehow merge those together into a winner. So fans have a say, but it's not like there's fan vote only categories and and duplicates of some categories where it's both things. We don't yeah. need toy of the year fan and panel. I think we could figure out a way to just make one toy of the year, one artist of the year, and then yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, they they could do that if if there's ten people on the panel, you could just make all of the fan vote count for one vote on the panel. Yeah. That way the fans have a little like bit that. of a say. Brilliant. I yeah. love it. I love it. Yeah. And and I totally also as a fan, there are certain categories that it I I'm sad that I can't vote in some way. So I would love the ability for fans to submit across all categories and have a say in each of them. If they, if they did it the way that you're talking about, Corey, where the winner of the fan voted gets one vote in the committee panel. Then the fans can have a say in every single category. I really like that. I dig it. Just it. came to me. You're Let's a genius, Corey. Thank you. And that way, the Toy Tokyos of the world aren't going to have <laughs> no runaway. I mean, I, I don't know. Do you guys think that Clutter? I mean, because I know Clutter was aware that Toy Tokyo was doing well, that whole thing. Like, it's not their responsibility to police this stuff and disqualify uh, people on this sort of stuff, is it? I 
I disagree because I think by them saying, eh, we saw it, but whatever, it's going to, it's going to make it worse because then people will be like, all right, I was cool with doing that. So I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do that. Like, I feel like it could spread and become even worse and just become, I don't know. I, I personally would have rather them say, that's not cool. You're disqualified. They they should have just put, you've been nominated. You can't do this, you know, for everybody that's nominated. Yeah. yeah, or rules that say, like, you can't run contests to win votes or just, I don't know. And maybe they don't care. Maybe I'm just being whatever, but. <laughs> it just sucks that they ended up winning. Like, it was a little, a little bit of controversy going into it because they were doing it. And then here it is. They right. ended up winning. And it's like, right. eh, now to all of us, it just doesn't seem legit. Right, exactly. And I would have much rather it be just a left field win. Like everyone's an even playing field. And if they come in at win, huge props, great win. But their win now to me isn't seen in that way. I see it as, oh, you bought your vote. It's, it's, I don't like it. Right. No, I hear you. I want I do want to say like clutter, like, thank you very much for doing this event. I know it's a lot of work, a lot of effort. And I know if if you're listening to this podcast, it's, it probably it's it's easier to hear only the negative comments versus you know the great things we've said about the event. I want you to to you know, ensure that you know that we love the event. We love you you for doing it. We think there's definite value in the event and the awards and you know that sort of stuff. So you know what we're saying is just constructive criticism. We're just we're just talking things out. So please don't take any of our negative comments wrong. You know there's plenty of positives and and great stuff going on. So yeah, love you guys for doing what you do. Yes, good work. For sure. We like to, we like to just discuss. We're just discuss. We like to discuss, but I know it's like, it's one of those things like, you know how it is. You just, you pick up on the one negative and you fixate on that versus the hundred compliments you get. So. Yes. And on that note, let's take a brief moment and uh, honor and <laughs> give some positive feedback for our great sponsors of the show. So yeah. for all your designer toy needs, wants and desires, two great stores for you. There's a uh, 3d retro.com. Um, they also have a beautiful brick-and-mortar location out there in Burbank, adjacent California. So if you're in the area, be sure to check that out. And joining us tonight, as you know, is Strange Cat Toys. If you go to strangecattoys.com, use promo code SOTERESA at checkout, all one word, you will receive 10% off your entire order. And as mentioned earlier, they also have that great new credit plan that you can uh, lay away your items and pay it uh, over the next few weeks or several months. And then for all your daily designer toy news, be sure to like and follow spankystokes.com and thetoychronicle.com. And be sure to download the Toy Chronicles easy-to-use app at any one of your favorite application stores. All right, let's get on to Five Points Fest. So this year it was held in Brooklyn, New York, versus last year it was held in Manhattan. So it was at an all-new venue this year. It was at the Brooklyn Expo Center. And uh, would you guys... Actually, before we get to that real quick, Corey, I have a beef to pick with you. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, this is coming. I don't even know what you don't even know what I'm talking about, Teresa. I don't know yet. Okay, so we go to Corey's booth, and Corey's like, "Hey, or Strange Cast booth," and Corey's like, "Hey, you guys, free tattoos? You want a tattoo?" I'm like, "Yeah, (laughs) there's a horrible, adorable tattoo. Sweet." Okay, so the next day I apply this thing to my arm, and uh, what a bitch to get off. I mean, not the thing turned into the most gross, sticky, ugly thing. Like on day two, I think it was because I had it under my sleeve. So I started picking up all the lint from my shirt and then it just turned into like this black mess, but I could not, you couldn't wash it off. You had to use like 
full on like rubbing alcohol. But Corey, it was a it took me about forty five minutes to get off, and it was pulling on my arm hair. I'm pretty sure I'm never gonna grow arm hair again on that spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you, you can blame. Jordan and uh, Chris a little bit because I asked them if they wanted me to make them a tattoo and they said yes please so you know, had that horrible adorables one not been there it might well, not happen at least I put it on my arm I saw a lot of people wearing that stuff on their neck and uh, I don't know maybe next year don't do tattoos no more tattoos we're doing one with you right <laughs> no no Marsh no. tattoo no no maybe maybe Corey didn't realize he he picked not a temporary tattoo but like a semi permanent tattoo. It was so, I'm telling you, it was so sticky. It was so gross after a couple of days. It was nasty. Uh, but anyway, I just wanted to bust your balls on that, Corey. So thanks for that little bit of a mess. And maybe that's why it was free. Yep. <laughs> oh, goodness. It's funny. I picked them up and I forgot to I forgot to put one on. So maybe it was for the best. Oh, no, it's for the best. If there's someone that you really dislike, go ahead and pass it along to them. That'll, that'll give them some payback. But no. Um, so let's get to the event. So Brooklyn versus Manhattan. What'd you guys think? I loved it being in Brooklyn this year. Corey? Oh, yep. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I thought it was way better. Um, I hated Manhattan and Chinatown. Like I am not a fan. It smells like pee. There's people yelling. There's trash everywhere, but Brooklyn was super nice. It was not busy. Um, everything was super close this year, all the yeah. after parties and, the the DTAs and the event space was much smaller and seemed a lot more intimate, even though it was busy and packed. Totally I liked great. it a lot. Let's let's paint a yeah. picture for the listeners. So it was held at the Brooklyn Expo Center, and it was uh, really right in the middle of a neighborhood. So it was you had this really neighborhoody feel surrounding the entire event. Directly across the street from the venue, like fifteen feet. From the door was this great little park. So if you have kids or family, all the kids go out and play on the playground. They had a splash pad and everything. And then just maybe a block down the road was the East River. So Teresa and I, you know, we walked the East River in and and back, and uh, it was awesome. Really, it's yeah. really great location. Really chill. Really relaxed. Like the complete opposite of what Manhattan was. Tons of food and all the venues and stuff are just, you know, maybe a block or two. I think I know. Brooklyn Bazaar was just a couple blocks away, and then the at the party was another few blocks away. It was all in one area, really chill. And the venue itself, so it was all huge windows surrounding the entire place. So you didn't have that life-sucking con lighting that most convention centers had. Like, we had beautiful natural light filling the entire convention hall, and you can feel it. It it really felt different in there. I really liked it. No, I, I totally agree. I've been to New York many times, but only to Manhattan and I had never made it over to Brooklyn. So this is my first time. And honestly, I was unsure. It's like, I don't know what it's going to be like, but I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, it was definitely quieter, less busy. I get it now. I remember last year, everyone's like, oh, Manhattan, I don't want to go to Times Square. I don't want to do this. And I was like, come on, you all. It's not that bad. But like after being in Brooklyn and understanding what they mean, I get it because Manhattan is a lot busier and touristy and all of that. And Brooklyn did feel a lot more chill and relaxed. And so I, and I really, I agree. I really liked being near the river as well. It was so pretty to walk down and there were actual parks, like green spaces and like little mm-hmm. kind of almost like a little beach you could walk on. And yep. it was, it was really, really nice. So I was excited to finally see Brooklyn I get it now. So I, 
I think it was a good move, and I hope that they continue to stay there and use the same venues. So. I hate Manhattan now. <laughs> I don't want to go back to Manhattan. Brooklyn was so nice. No, we did we did go across the river and we went and saw My Plastic Heart and went back. But when we went over, you're like you, it just the there's a different atmosphere, different. right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I, the positive though, I think that's what what's nice about Brooklyn is you're really close to the is it the Williamsburg Bridge, mm-hmm. and um, you can just take that straight over to Lower Manhattan. So Lower Manhattan is not that far away, and that's where. My plastic car in Toy Tokyo are situated. So, like, if you wanted to hop over and go check out those stores or hang out a bit, um, there's a lot of different, you know, street art and murals and stuff. You could totally do it, and it's not even that far. So that was nice too. So we were like able to get over there and see a little bit of Manhattan. But it's true, we got over there and it was kind of like, oh, maybe we should have done this. Maybe we should go back. <laughs> Corey, you actually vended this year. How was it as a vendor? Oh, it was very good. It's it was our first time ever vending outside of Florida um, for any convention, and mm-hmm. it was the best convention we've ever done. We had a, a bunch of exclusives, and we sold out of all of them. And Great. Wow. I, I got to meet a lot of like regular customers to buy from us, so it's always good you know, to put a face with the name. Now, I've heard some people complaining, oh, it doesn't need to be two days. Is a vendor, what do you think? It has to be two days. Like I can't imagine doing all that work. And just having day. it one day and then break it down. And then our second day, you know, we Sunday we didn't sell as much, but I think it's because we sold so much, but we still sold quite a bit on Sunday. So no, two days for sure. And did you feel, you know, I had heard too that, you know, Saturday was pretty busy, but Sunday was more chill. And I definitely felt that walking around, which I didn't mind. I like kind of a day where it's, you know, Saturday's the crazy and Sunday's a little more relaxed and kind of just hang out and talk to people. But did you feel that too, that Saturday was more of the hustle and bustle and Sunday was a little bit more chill and relaxed? Yeah. And I mean, I, I like that. I needed a little bit of a break and it gave me the chance to do like a quick run around and say hi to everybody. Um, so yeah, I like that. I do believe it needs to be two days because the first day as a collector, you're running around, you're acquiring all your goods and they changed the times this year. So it was, it opened at 10 a.m. for the VIPs and to the general public at 11 a.m. and then it closed at 6 p.m. So I think it was reduced by almost two hours on Saturday. And then Sunday it was from, you know, I think it was from 11 to, again, 5 on Sunday. And so that second day, it's really nice to have that second day just to kind of go in and then just be able to peruse things a little better. I know this on Sunday, Teresa yep. and I spent more time looking at the convention as a whole. We spent a lot more time talking to people. And for me, this convention really has the feel of what DesignerCon had before it absolutely blew up. I mean, it's a smaller convention, but it just felt so intimate and neighborly and friendly. And I don't know. I don't want to compare the two conventions, but it really did feel like, you know, DesignerCon probably six or eight years ago. And it was a lot smaller and easier to to manage. Yeah. And, you know, Five Points is smaller. It's a smaller show. So, I mean, if... If I weren't so like sporadic in the way I perused the show Saturday, I could have walked the floor easily. It's just the way when you're in the moment and you're shopping and going and you see people and you say hi, it, you end up kind of just darting around. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the floor itself, it's not like the venue, like Decon, it's, I mean, I don't think we ever, we tried, but I don't think we ever got to a point where we could walk the whole thing. You just end up, it's so big. So five points is much easier to to see the show, but then you have time. You have time to go wait in that line to get 
to for a signing or go talk to this person for an hour that you haven't seen in forever. And you don't, you know, at decon, I feel like I'd pass people and be like, Hey, I got to go though. Cause I got to go see this or right, it's more hey, relaxed. I have to, right. Yeah. And I really, really like that. I like that. I had time to, to hang out. Yeah. I don't ever think I ever felt rushed. I think the two days I had more than enough time to talk to who I needed to see what I needed to. It had really nice bathrooms. By far, for me, this was by far the best venue I've ever, I've done a lot of comic conventions and the toy conventions, and this was the best venue I've ever experienced with all the natural light and the wood flooring and, again, amazing bathrooms, individual stalls, floor-to-ceiling walls, you know, you were in there by yourself. There was was a guy in there, you know, he was there to give you cologne if you needed it or helps you out with the paper towels. And he would keep the stalls clean and all that sort of stuff. I really like that. The food truck area, the outdoor courtyard area was fantastic with the, the beer garden and the food trucks and just being able to pop out there and eat our food. Um, the one negative, this is not a negative now, but from what I saw as we filled up that convention hall, it doesn't seem like there's really any area for growth in that venue. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah unless I they move some stuff out outside to the courtyard area. Yeah. I will. Well, I was gonna say the only thing, like I really liked the courtyard. It was there was definitely a lot more room. Like at the Manhattan venue, it's pretty much just room for food trucks and some picnic tables, and that was about it. The only thing I would say is there was a lot of open space and a lot more room for tables. And I would have liked to see more tables, more seating, because they had some of those tall tables you could stand at. And then a few picnic tables and then all this open space and it filled up really quick places yeah, where people. Yeah. So I would have liked to see a lot more picnic tables or what have you, because there's plenty of space for it. So that is one small thing that I think would be a nice addition if they're not going to fill it with other booths or vendors or anything like that. Yeah. Now, I absolutely love the venue this year and I hope it stays the same for the next few years. But I imagine as they grow. I mean, do you guys think that they're just going to outgrow the space and we're just going to have to find another venue in a few years? Well, and I think it depends because right now they're still maintaining the toy comic mix. So they've got, it it felt like, I would say, what, two thirds toys and then one third was sort of the artist alley comic stuff. So I think it depends, like if if they're going to keep with that split or if over time they'll go full toy or what, because that could affect how they use the space. I got to admit, I didn't, I know there was a comic presence. Like we sat across the table from people who are only comic collectors and they bought the VIP pass and they had no idea what designer toy, uh, toys were, but I didn't really see that much of a comic book presence there that would have interested them enough. Did you? I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we asked them cause I, I, when we were sitting down to eat, I remember asking them, like, hey, are you enjoying it? And they seemed to feel like there was a decent amount. But I agree. I mean, the comics were really only in the Artist Alley section. And I know for me personally, that was one of those sections that I kind of – I walked through, but pretty quickly. So I don't know if that's where they focused. But it is funny when you think about them paying, you know, the $140 ticket for VIP. And we've got all these comic people sitting with these – sought after mollies and have no idea i was like what if they just toss that in the trash they like, had, like the one guy pulls out of his bag uh cory and he's got the, the the instinct toy five points vip molly stuffed inside the glass and uh they can care less for this toy they have no idea what it is i have a feeling like 
like Teresa, I, I can see you itching almost to ask, like, do you want that? Do you guys really? Yeah. <laughs> because they don't know what it is. And so right. a lot of people, that's a highly sought after toy. And, you know, they're going to go home and probably either throw it away or just maybe just throw it in a drawer. Yeah. Maybe they got home and they researched it on eBay and realized, you know, what they had. But it was funny kind yeah. of watching Teresa's face. Just, she goes, these guys, oh. don't, these guys don't know what they have. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was just like, oh my God, there's three, three guys, three comic guys, all with these mollies now, <laughs> comics talking comics. I was like, they don't know what that is. I should just, I'll just take that. Like I'll take those. Not even for me necessarily, but like, I know there's people who didn't do VIP that would want it. It's like, yeah. I don't want that to go in the trash or go to Goodwill. Like that's just <laughs> worth something. <laughs> if I walked into a Goodwill and I saw that sitting on the shelf, I got it for like, oh. You get it for like a dollar at Goodwill. Right. That'd be nuts. <laughs> it, it's intriguing. I, I don't know. I I don't mind the split. I'm just curious to see if they'll maintain that, if they'll continue to kind of try to keep it as a both art and comic. I think it'll probably fall off. And I, I think I heard <laughs> something about them cutting the sizes of the artist tables down from 10 foot tables or maybe 8 foot tables down to like six, and which makes a lot more sense. Oh, okay. So maybe more space for the for toy booths next year yeah i will say i I thought they did a way better job with the vip package this year yes i i will second that uh since i've done vip both years i know last year i talked about the grab bag or whatever they call it and how it was just filled with not junk but like (laughs) back stock type stuff so this year it definitely felt more tailored and you know the fact that they got instinct toy to partner was super cool mm-hmm. and even like the custom glass and all of that i it was definitely a more quality uh vip bag i thought so i agree now Corey, did you get to leave the booth much did you do any shopping around or did you mainly get stuck behind the booth uh, well i split my booth with gallery f so yeah like if i needed to take a pee break or if i wanted to go buy something real quick i, I was able to um, especially on sunday now you said a lot of your all your exclusives sold out at the event. I mean, did that sell out during the VIP period, or is that just uh, like a slow sell throughout the entire weekend? Um, so the Astro Crash sold out within 20 minutes of VIP. Oh, wow. Um, wow. And then the Wetworks went pretty quick through VIP, and then one hung out until the end of Sunday, and then Bluefist kind of trickled throughout, and then the Skullflowers kind of trickled over the weekend. Awesome. Sounds like you had a great event. Yeah, it was really good. I heard that from a lot of people. I talked to some of the people that uh, vended there last year, and they were saying that they made on Saturday what they made over the course of two days last year. So I think the attendance was great, and a lot of collectors came out and spent money. So that's good. Good. Now, Teresa, you're you're a pretty big collector. I know like the, the two weeks leading up to the event, you were on top of all the news, looking for all the releases. And I know it was kind of annoying you that most of your favorite artists had not released what they're going to have there yet. And I remember one night, you know, I'm three hours uh, behind you. So you were texting me at like midnight. So it was 3 a.m. your time. And you were, you had to work the next day, but you're up until 3 a.m. checking out all the booze on the, on the exhibitor website. And so you were really well on top of things. And I know your list was really large. Did you, I never found it. Did you end up getting everything that you were hoping to get? Yes. And more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and more. Oh, God. And more. So much more. No, you know, I think 
I've, I feel like I've gone to enough of these now that I've got a pretty good feel of which booths are going to be more popular than others. So I can kind of prioritize. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, a lot of what was on my list is what happens is you get familiar with certain companies or booths and you'll know they'll have good stuff potentially, but they ever never actually post it. So I'll have them down and I'll have like a list of like, Oh, they might have this or this or this. I had a handful of booths on my list that were like that where I'd pop by and I saw and I was like, okay, they don't have any that I'm really after. So I'd move on. But um, yeah, overall, I mean, for me as a collector, I was very happy. I came back with way too much stuff. I think I even probably had a bad influence on you, Gary, because you bought way more than I expected. I bought more than I anticipated too. <laughs> and there was, there's some great little like surprise finds. I know. Um, so one was like the, we discovered Zaza toys at, there at the event. And that, that was, uh, that was a great discovery. And Keith, the owner of Zaza toys, I mean, what a nice guy. He was actually staying at our hotel too. And we talked at the hotel for a little bit, but super friendly guy, but the toys and the platform, he had this little bear platform. It was called T bear. That looked really cool. And I ended up picking up, I uh, can't think of the name of the toys, but they're like little interchangeable toys. And you got to select which two toys to buy. And one was like a four inch, vinyl toy and it came with a little mini toy but for 20 bucks two came in the pack and i saw a lot of people walking around with zaza toys at the event we're actually yeah. going to start carrying those soon oh yeah um, I was oh, talking about, yeah. Yay. cool so coming soon i was gonna say yeah, keith was fantastic he was so nice and yeah there surprises i mean i know both of us we had we were after seedless for my plastic cart we were happy to pick that up that is a fantastic toy and then Obviously, I've talked about it before. I absolutely love Chris and Amanda's work. So they were on my list. Um, and then, of course, so, Corey, you were bringing Pucky Pool Babies. And I was trying to be so good. So when those went up for pre-order on your site, I just bought a couple blind boxes. I'm like, I like them all. I don't need a couple. I don't care which ones I pull. No biggie. And then, of course, I was like, oh, man, maybe I want more. I opened them, and I was like, darn, <laughs> this isn't enough. And so you had told me you were bringing two cases. I was like, try to leave one untouched for me. And so day two, beginning of the day two, you put it out. We came there first thing. And I was like, all right, we're just going to, I'm going to open one and see what I get. And then I'm going to open another and see what I get. And then Gary's (laughs) standing there. And lo and behold, I ended up opening that whole freaking case for myself. I took a few off your hands. You did, and honestly, I don't regret it one bit because I love them so much. So, like, there's stuff like that that happens. But thank you, Corey, for for holding that aside and letting me uh, <laughs> attack the case. Oh, that- you're welcome. I brought that extra case just for you. <laughs> now, well, there was an after party after the event on there Saturday was. night, and but we did not end up making it. We had full intentions of going right after the event, but. Uh, we got a little sidetracked as we left the event. Uh, Andrew Bell had invited us over at his place, his and his fiance Becky's place, and they were extremely gracious hosts. And when we got there, it was exactly the kind of evening we were wanting. It was, you know, we uh, sat outside in this deck. He has this beautiful rooftop open air deck that's right. He's right on the edge of the East River, so you can overlook the East River into Manhattan. It was a beautiful evening that night, and they ordered some beers and picked up pizzas, and we ate salads and just hung out and. It, and it just got to a point where we just didn't want to leave. We were just hanging out with, with good company. And for me, it was definitely one of the highlights and uh, most memorable moments of the of the event. But but actually, Teresa, 
that you know, as I look at the at the time that we're recording right now on Saturday, that's exactly where we were a week ago right now. Crazy. That feels like forever ago. Well, it feels too long ago. But I mean, thank you to uh, Andrew Bell and Becky. You guys were incredible hosts. So thank you so much for inviting us. And and let's do it next year if you'll have us. Um, but I felt bad that we didn't make it to the um, the after party because I know we posted on Instagram that hey, see you there. Um, but Corey, I know you ended up going. So how was the event? Uh, yeah, eventually after. Um, so. Travis, Josh, and I wanted to go to the after party, right? And the Five Points posted it on Instagram, and they put the address and everything, but us being idiots, just, um, you know, Google Three's Brewing. And little did we know that there's several, so we ended up taking <laughs> Uber to Manhattan. And uh. we, get, we get inside, <laughs> and we're like, I don't see anybody we know. And I'm texting Sarah. She's like, where are you? I'm like, where are you? We're here. And then I was like, uh-oh, we're in the wrong place. So, oh, no. yeah, and then so Travis put in the address for Three's Brewing, but there's also two of those same addresses with the same street number. So we ended up in a different place, I think close to <laughs> Queens. So, I, yeah, after uh, three Ubers and like almost two hours, we finally ended up there, which I think it was starting to wrap up. But uh, the best story. It was nice. We hung out with uh, Casey Terra Rouge. Uh, how do you pronounce her name? She told me like a thousand times, can't remember, but one-eyed girl. So it was, okay. it was a fun time. Yeah. It just came to me, Tadataway. That's how you pronounce Casey's last name. You'd never guess. <laughs> Tadata- Wait, Tadataway? Tadataway. I had no idea. Yeah. But no, what's Sorry. crazy is she, she spells that T-A-R-A-R-U-J. Mm-hmm. Anyway, wow. you can edit that, Gary, but that's crazy that that's Tadataway. <laughs> so what what was the venue like since gary and i didn't actually make it over i mean did it did it, it seem it, nice yeah it was just a, it was a nice bar in brooklyn it was literally like maybe three blocks away from the event like we could have just walked there i don't know why we thought <laughs> we the uber um <laughs> but yeah, it was just a bar and it looked like um they rented out like a area in the back and um i hung out with with Kyle and Sarah for a little while. Um, it was it was a really nice bar. Nice. Now, I know one concern that we had before going, and I think maybe the one reason we ended up staying where we did is we didn't know kind of what it was like. You know, I guess we could have asked Sarah and the people who actually were there, but we were afraid that maybe it was like a normal bar setting where it's really loud music and you can't really talk to each other and you have to yell and stuff like that. But as we were walking back to the hotel from leaving Andrews, we ran into a couple of people and they were saying that, yeah, no, it was exactly what they had hoped for. It was real chill, real low key and real easy to talk. So was that your experience as well? Yeah, no, it was very laid back. Definitely everybody like taking a break from all that work they've been doing. Well, that's good because I know that's one thing I've heard too that you got the DTAs and you got these events and so you've been busy, 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 crazy, 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 and so many people I think on that Saturday night just want to chill, like they just want to relax and take a break and hang out and sit and not have to do another loud, crazy gathering. But I'm glad to hear that it was more of a relaxed venue. Hopefully next year we'll we'll actually make it there, Gary. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, we should try. We should definitely make an attempt. But, you know, it was just so nice on that rooftop and the gorgeous weather and amazing company. And I Not to name drop, but it's just people that we hang out with at the convention hall. But when you're there, you're just kind of just talking about toys and stuff. So, you know, Horrible Dorbles and, and Chris Reinach and Amanda Louise Spade and Andrew Bell and his fiance yeah. Becky and 
uh, Scribble's Inc. And then, you know, a little later showed Vin of My Plastic Heart and then Jack of Vinyl Pulse. And it was just a, it's just a fun, chill evening talking more intimately and more, uh, you know, it's just like when you go to like an after party, you feel like you have to be on and right. still like just, it's just so at the rooftop, we were just relaxed in ourselves and just talking about personal things. And, and that's what I really enjoyed about that evening. Just talking to people that I don't normally get to talk to on a, a totally different level. Right. Well, and for me personally, as a collector, I felt very honored to be included. You know, I know I'm a part of this podcast and all of that, and it's different. You know, just a year ago, I met you. Yeah, so happy anniversary, <laughs> Teresa, because I know a year ago we met at Five Points, and now you've actually been doing the podcast for a year now. So can, happy That's anniversary. True. Thank you. That's kind of crazy. I mean – yeah, last year I was just, I mean, not just me, I'm still me, but yeah, it's crazy how much can change. Is it weird walking five points this year as opposed to last year? I mean, I know a lot more people recognize you and you, you're talking to a lot of people and you're hanging out with, you know, people that you collect and all that sort of stuff. Like, what's the difference? Yeah, I mean, it's not weird, but it is definitely different because before it was just like me as a collector and just awkwardly meeting people for the first time you know so like I was that sort of starstruck collector of meeting all these great artists and people that I hadn't met before and it's not that there's it's not that it's not great to still see them but now it's like they're my friends like I'm just going around and hanging out and saying hi and it's it's very cool and very different and then on the flip side through the podcast and stuff now I have people you know tapping my shoulder and being like oh my gosh are you Teresa from Martian like I love listening to you and so it's it's very cool in that perspective too to have people recognize me now which before it's like I was just walking the floor no one knew me I'm going around trying to meet people and now I've got people knowing my name and I can walk up to James Groman's booth and he's like hey Teresa it's just like <laughs> what <laughs> yeah so I love it it's great I know but at the same time you sort of mentioned like that night we were at, on the rooftop hanging out with you know everybody like you're like Gary, this feels really strange. Like, I don't know yeah. if I'm supposed to be here. I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a collector of, of these people right. that we're hanging out with. I so. know. Yeah. It's still that like, I definitely have gotten more comfortable on the floor, but yeah, when you're invited to something like that, it's like, am I, is it okay? Cause like, I'm a collector. Like, do they want a break from me? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you know, do they want to have their own little vendor kind of hang out? So I was very, I was very honored to be to be included and to be a part of that. And it was I agree, it was it was a very cool setting. It was super relaxing. It was very fun to hang out with people in that way and chat and all that kind of stuff. So You're one of us now, Teresa. I guess one of us. One of us. Now you just need your own Dunny. (laughs) Why not? Hey, that would be very cool. But that's one thing I really love about this community is, you know, most of the artists are super cool to the collectors and actually take the time to talk to the collectors. And, you know, I think in a lot of other scenarios, if you're a fan of a, a you know, a rock band or a movie star, you don't get to walk up to them and necessarily carry that conversation. But in the designer toy right. scene, for the most part, you you can strike up a conversation in a long conversation and actually become good friends with people that you're fans of. I think that's one thing I really love about this community. Yeah, no, I, I I definitely agree, and it's it's funny because even like you, like I didn't before I knew you, I was like, oh my god, it's Gary Ham, like. <laughs> well, keep going, don't stop. Right. 
Oh gosh. And now you you're know, like, oh, like, it's scary. Ugh, annoying. Well, it, but it's just funny how how over time the relationship and opinion you have of people changes. It's not like I still respect you as an artist and love your work, <laughs> but just the way. You know what I mean? Like the way yeah. I know you and it's different. Like I don't look to you with like these like stars in my eyes of like, oh my God, it's now I'm just like, oh Gary Ham, shut up. Like, <laughs> like Gary, shut up. You're just gonna burp in front of me. Whatever. You don't care anymore. Right. I'm just yeah, it's just <laughs> funny. It's it's fun to see how things evolve over time. And I'm sure I'm not the first one to go through that. You know, I know there's other people who have been in the scene longer than me who have been collecting and probably getting to know different vendors and artists too. So Well, that's what happened it's with just, Scott Kettler. The same thing he was talking about when he was coming on. He was a collector right. and a fan and next thing you know, he's you know, making connections and good friendships with people in the toy scene that he's a fan of. So it happens, you know, um, and, and Teresa, as far as, you know, the podcast, I mean, thanks you for hanging in there the past year yeah. and, you know, you and I have become great friends and uh, I couldn't ask for a better toy partner in, in, in doing these events with. So you're a lot of fun and I look forward to doing future events with you. Oh, thanks, Gary. Yes. To next to this next year. Let's see what it shall bring. But I think I think the main thing, too, is just to the collectors out there, you know, Go to these events. They're great. They're super fun. This is kind of your chance to hang out and talk to people and don't be afraid to walk up and say hi. I mean, everyone, I have yet to have really an experience where I'm like, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have gone and talked to that person. Like everyone is always super, super nice. So Mm -hmm. do it. Get out there. Yeah, I know a lot of people have been waiting on, you know, five points. Is it, you know, let, let it grow some legs first and let's see. But I can say I mean, it's for me, it's right up there with Designer Con. I know it's smaller, but it's more intimate and just in the new venue in Brooklyn and everything. I can't suggest it more. I think it truly is a great event. And if you can make it next year, definitely do what you have to do to try to make it out there. Yeah, and I agree. If you're looking for something more intimate and small and a chance to really talk and hang out five points will definitely give you that i mean decon definitely has that but it's so big that there's so much more to see and i think you end up spending a lot more time walking the floor um and you can still hang out and stuff but there's definitely plenty of time for that at five points and speaking of designer con i mean they're making the change from pasadena to anaheim this year so i i'm looking forward to seeing what the atmosphere change is going to feel like. Because it's going to be across the street from Disneyland, very touristy area. We're going to lose that great neighborhood and mom and pop feel that Pasadena had. And I think that's what we're getting from Five Points. So it'll be different to see what DesignerCon is like this year. And actually coming up next week, Ben Goretzky, the man who who's behind, the, the brains behind uh, DesignerCon. He will be joining us next week, and we're going to find out everything that's going on with DesignerCon and everything that's cooking. So we'll be back next week with Ben. Woohoo! I can't wait. Uh, I know you're excited about that. He's, he's going to drop some. He told us some things at Five Points, and I'm super excited for what's going to be happening at our DesignerCon next year. Wait, what did he tell us at Five Points? Well, I don't think it's stuff I can say on air, Teresa. See, I'm saying there's all these secrets, Corey, and it's driving me bananas. It's not secrets, necessarily. It's just stuff that he just can't – he's kind of waiting to share either on the episode or stuff that he can't share publicly yet. But I promise you he'll divulge some stuff on next week's episode. And then, Teresa, what he can't say publicly, I'm sure he'll tell us off air. So 
You're going to be right. Have to be prepared for some squeeze because I have a feeling. I've, I, that's one reason I've been keeping this all from you because I I want your genuine squeeze reaction next week. So have the earplugs at the ready. <laughs> <laughs> Corey, I know you have to leave. You got the the ten month old there and the family and everything. So I want to thank you for joining. I know you didn't get to t- talk too much this week, but we'll have you back to where we can talk to you a little bit more. Yeah, no, thank you. It was awesome to to finally be on the show. Um, I love your guys' show. I listen to it every week religiously, so keep it up. Thanks. You want to do, do your own Sorry. sponsorship this week? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Head over to strangecattoys.com, and you can use this, the code SOTERESA, one word, for 10% off your order. And we now offer um, flexible payment plans. How often is that, that so Teresa code used? I want to know. All those people that have chosen not to sponsor us so far, tell them all the thousands of dollars they're missing out on. The tens of thousands. That's what I thought. Seriously? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> no, but, but, it's, but it's more than enough. I, he's told me like he's received more than enough to cover the, the minimal fee that we charge to sponsor our, our wonderful show. Right? Oh, yeah, Corey? definitely. Yeah, it's definitely gone up and up and up, especially since we changed it to So Teresa. So maybe we'll keep it at that for a while. Do you know how crazy it is? How much that, not that, I mean, I don't say it's catching on. Like <laughs> people who have to kind of listen to the show have to know it, but like Toy Chronicle started to use the hashtag Teresa Q, and a lot of people will comment, that's So Teresa. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. So thank you, everyone, for making me feel so special. <laughs> You know, you got your own promo code now. Everything's working out for you. It's crazy. But I do appreciate you coming on, Corey. We'll definitely get you back on, talk more Strange Cat toys and other cool stuff. All right. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Okay. Um, bye. bye, Corey. And I guess, Teresa, why don't you let people know where they can find you? Yeah, sure. Oh, he full on left. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I didn't know he was going to full on drop. Yeah, but it happens. You say bye. It happens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, bye, Corey. But um, yeah, if people want to find me, they can check me out on Instagram. My username is tmhawk24. And I'm Gary Ham. Wait, hold on. Someone's coming in. Hi, Dad. Oh, hey, Lucas. What's going on, buddy? Hi. Can you, can you close, Hi, Lucas. Can you close the door for me? Hold on. He can't actually hear you. I'll, um. Do you want to come uh-huh. on? You want to come on the podcast with us, Luke? Here, come here. Put on I the headphones. Hear. Here, put on the headphones. I can hear you. Her. Hey, Lucas, can you, can you hear me, Lucas? Yes. That's Teresa. Hi. Nice Hi. to meet you. Talking to this microphone here. Nice to meet you too. <laughs> and Lucas, so I, I just, I, you know, I was just on vacation. I went to New York City, or Brooklyn, New York. I went to Five Points Fest, and I came back with a bunch of toys, didn't I, Lucas? Yes. And did you? Did I let you play with any of my toys? Yes. How? <laughs> you don't have to be so shy. <laughs> did I let you play with all of my toys? No. <laughs> so which which ones did he let you play with? Describe, which describe your the toys that I let you play with. Which ones... Which ones were your favorites? The ones that are on top of the dresser that you've been playing with the past couple nights. There was the Wood, Flatwood Friends by Horrible Adorables. That's the one that's the wood one where you can interchange the arms and the antlers and all that sort of stuff. You like that one, yeah? No, the fa- my favorite one is the bobblehead. 
The bobblehead is your favorite one. Yes. I don't have a bobblehead. No, the bobble <laughs> one. The bobble one? Which one? Oh, he's talking about the, the Android one where you can break about all the pieces and reassemble it in a bunch of different crazy formations? No. The bobble one. Bobble, the bobble. bobble. The bobble one? Which one are you talking about? I'm going to show you a picture. Oh, of oh is that the Zaza toys, Gary? The Zaza toys? The one where you can take the guy out? With the one that has the big the big piece with the little little minifigure? Here, I'm going to show you a picture. The you... blue bobble one. Yeah, that's what you're talking about. You're talking about the Zaza toy one. And that's the one that we were talking about on the show. Here, I'm going to show you a picture, and you tell me. You point to which one it was. Okay. Here. The owl one. Oh, Teresa, he's talking about the oh! owl one that we picked up at the, the that store. <laughs> that wasn't even from the event. So it's for the listeners. It is a bobble. Like a... It wobbles. He's totally right. It's a little wobbly owl. <laughs> I know the entire time I'm thinking he's crazy. I'm like, I didn't get a wobble toy. But no, it's just cute little owl guy. Where, you know, he he can never topple over. He just wobbles. So that's your favorite one? I thought it was this Android one right here. You played with that, that one for hours. Nope. Oh, it's too hard to make now. Well, I mean... It, uh, it's a little tough for your fingers, but I know from when I brought it home that first night, you played with it for a long time. And you like this one, the Zaza Toys. You like well, that one? Well, the bobblehead the most. I know. I only played with that one the one time, and this one one time, and this one one time. And why doesn't Daddy let you touch all of his other toys? Because they're fragile. And he doesn't want those ones to get hurt. Not to say that I don't like, I don't like the ones that you're playing with, but... Those ones are designed to be played with, so I allow you to play with those ones. Here, I'm gonna let Teresa talk to you, and I'm gonna here talk to Teresa. Hi, Lucas. Hi. Just talking to this microphone. Hi. But Lucas, I want to know. You should tell your dad that you you want to play with more of his toys. Yeah. He should let you. He should no! let you. Play with... <laughs> he gets to play Is with there... plenty of my toys. Well, you can hear her. Yeah. A little bit. How? I can sort of hear through your your headphones. What about now? No, not now. You do don't you want still me to hear do? Her? You just want to have a <laughs> private conversation with Teresa? I have toys everywhere. She has more toys than Daddy, Lucas. Huh? She has more toys than me, probably. You want to see this, Lucas? We'll see. There's toys here. Whoa! Look at those. There's toys here. Wow. She has more toys than you. She, I think she does. <laughs> this is this is really really messy. I'm oh sorry. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of toys. I like to put my toys in colors. I make colors. It's bad, Gary. Wow. It's really you messy. would have a, a field day in her house. It's mess. Look at this. Look how bad it is. It's bad. Tell her to clean her house up. <laughs> I need wait, to clean my room. Wait, wait, you, wait, what? She, she heard you. She can hear me. Yeah. Because yeah. this is the microphone. She can hear me talking into this. Lucas, can you say, "Hey, toy family." Hey, toy family. This has been the Marsham Toy Hour. We do this every week, not because we have to, but because we want to. So until our next transmission, we're signing off. Bye. Bye.